Church, how are you guys doing today? Anybody happy to be here in the house of the Lord? Man, what an awesome time of worship. I didn't want it to end. I just wanted to go forever. I mean, maybe one day we will in heaven. We'll get to worship forever. But now we don't have forever. How are you? Hopefully you're having a great morning. If you don't know me, my name is Johnny, and I oversee all of our junior high and high school here. And it's my absolute just pleasure and honor to get to share the word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, but if you don't, then you can rely on the cheat screen. If you could turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. I hope you've enjoyed this series on Philippians. I know I have just been so personally blessed and grown so much um, these last five weeks, just taking four or five weeks to study this book. And maybe if you're new to Joy or if this is your first time, um, hopefully you don't feel left out. We've been studying the book of Philippians for the last five weeks, and you're coming in on the last week. And so if you feel like, man, he's referencing things we talked about two weeks ago, or four weeks ago, um, you're free to go back on the podcast or on the YouTube and you can catch yourself back up. But even if you haven't heard, you're still going to get something today. So don't pop in your headphones and just tune out because it's the last one. Um, but today we're going to talk about this topic of happy, the key or the secret to in destructible joy. Now you might be wondering why we played that song, Happy. Um, I don't think you can not feel happy when you hear that song. Um, I just have never met a person that did not want to be happy. Maybe you have, but I've never had someone come to me and say, you know what, like, I'm just way too happy. I just need some help. Like, could you pray for me because I have too much happiness, right? Doctors don't prescribe anti-happiness pills, right? <laughs> I've just never met someone that says, I just, I'm too, I'm too happy, right? Usually it's the opposite. Now, I was shocked. If you Google the word happy, you will find 5 billion, 600, oh, 500 billion, 590 million web pages. That's a whole lot of happy, right? 5 billion, 590 million pages on happiness. Now, that is almost one web page for every human being on the planet right? Now, out of 5 billion, 590 million web pages, do you know what the very first thing that pops up is? That song we just sang, Happy. People Google, how do I be happy? And out of 500, 590 million options, they get, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof, right? I was shocked when I, I Googled it, and Spotify is just a music service, that that song has been played over 620 million times on YouTube. That's a whole lot of happy. That's like if every American went and listened to that song two times on Spotify. If you go onto YouTube and look up that simple song, Happy, you're going to see it's been listened to over 350 million times. Now, maybe that's a little bit too new school for you. Maybe you like Don't Worry be happy. Um, I was shocked to find that this song, which was actually strangely scary to me, um, I never heard it till I googled it and it was a strange song. Um, and I read the words and even after reading the words it was still strange. Um, that song has been listened to on Spotify over 100 million times. And the very same thing, go to YouTube, don't worry, be happy, over 100 million views on each of those different services um, everybody wants to be happy, right? It's this pursuit of happiness. I've never met someone that didn't say, man, there's something inside of me that wants to be happy. But here's the sad reality. No matter how much people are clapping along like a room without a roof, and no matter how hard they try to not worry, 
but be happy. Most people I know still worry and aren't that happy. You know, I think about just a couple of months ago, I was talking to the woman in the church and she was staring at me and she goes, you're just so happy. And I didn't exactly know how to respond to that, so I, I just paused and waited. But what she said next broke my heart. She goes, I wish I could be happy. And she goes, no matter how hard I try, and this is my paraphrase, no matter what I do, I just can't find happiness. I remember driving home that night, and I tried to just encourage her for a couple of minutes with what we're going to talk about this morning. I just tried to encourage her for two or three minutes from the Word of God before I had to leave and I went home just driving home with a broken heart thinking, man, like, I want that lady to find joy. I want that lady to find happiness. But for most of us, if we're honest, I think a lot more people than just that woman struggle on a daily basis for joy. You know, and if you look in the Bible, this word happy, joy, delight, gladness, all these words are just used interchangeably. So please don't get offended. I'm going to use this word happy and this word joy in the same kind of sense. Most people I know, they want joy. They want happiness, but it's a daily struggle to find happiness and to find joy. But I have good news for you this morning from God's word. Jesus said in John 15, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, something that might seem kind of crazy to you is that Jesus wants you happy. Or a different way to say that, and don't get offended, I'm going to unpack this statement. Jesus wants you filled with joy. And he just said so himself. He said, these things I'm speaking to you is so that my joy can be inside of you. And that's really good news. Because Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his companions. He was a man with joy. He was a man overflowing with joy. To know Jesus was to know a joyful man. And he said, I want my joy inside of you. And that's pretty good. But he says, even more than that, I want my joy to overflow out of you. I love the way the Passion Paraphrase says it. This is Jesus. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience, <clears throat> hear that, Jesus' joy will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. And this morning, if you came in thinking, maybe you're new to church, maybe this is a new experience for you, you think, man, what do they want from me? Do they want me to do something? Do they want my money from me? Are they trying to get something out of me? I have one goal and one aim this morning. It's that Jesus' joy would fill your heart and that that joy would overflow out of you. And if you don't like that, then you're not going to like this message. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want you, there's 500 billion or five billion five hundred ninety million results for happy but i want to show you from god's word how you can find indestructible joy in jesus amen let's pray father thank you for this great morning thank you father for this privilege and this honor it is just to gather with my brothers and sisters lord that this morning we come to celebrate you we come to honor you jesus that even as we're just singing about your great love and your great kindness your great mercy to us god that God, it's so just beyond even our own comprehension that we call it reckless, or it's wild, it's powerful. And Lord, I thank you that when you look at us, God, you want us to have joy. The Lord, for every person this morning that walked in fighting for joy, maybe they came in with a broken heart, maybe they came in battling depression or anxiety, I thank you, Jesus, that you are our hope and you give us joy everlasting. You give us indestructible joy. So would you speak to every person this morning? God, would you open our hearts to hear your voice through your word and change us? In the name of Jesus, everybody said, <clears throat> amen. Now, 
joy is a key part of Christianity. And we're going to look through the scriptures and see just how important this is to our Christian life. But before we do that, we have to define what is this word joy or happy that we're talking about. Now, this might seem kind of like duh to you when I, when I read you the definition, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. If you go to Merriam-Webster's dictionary or you Google, thank you, Lord, for Google, what is joy or happiness? You're going to get this. It is a good feeling or a good emotion inside of our soul. Or another way to say it, it's a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, right? When, when we cry tears of joy or we dance for joy or we shout for joy, those are all just the outward expressions of this inside joy that bubbles up in our soul. Are you following along? It's a real thing in our soul. It's not tangible. Like you can't really touch it. You can't feel it. But all of us have experienced joy at some time in our life, correct? But joy in the Christian life, as we've been studying throughout Philippians, is radically different than just normal joy. Because normal joy in the world, it's tied to our experiences, it's tied to our circumstances, tied to our situations. That if I get the raise at work, I have joy, but if I don't get the raise, I have sadness, right? If everything goes my way, I have joy, but if things don't go my way, I don't have this joy. But I want you to see from the scripture how Christian joy is radically different. It's the same thing. It's a good feeling or emotion that rises up in our soul, but it's not tied to our circumstances. It's not tied to our situations. It's actually produced inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And this is incredible, and I'm gonna tell you why in a second. If you go to Galatians chapter, you don't have to turn there. I know you're in Philippians 4. I didn't forget about you. Just stay there. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. It says, now the fruit of, spirit is the, of the Spirit are these. Love and Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. That when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, do you know one of the evidences, one of the manifestations of the Spirit of God inside of us is actually joy? This is something he produces from the inside of the heart of a believer. I love this. Romans 15, 13. If, if you're struggling for joy this morning, let this just grab your heart. Paul writes, may the God of hope fill you with all depression. Is that what it says? No. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by, not by our own power, not by our own might, not by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is something that the Spirit of God produces inside of us. Romans 14. You ask, what's the kingdom of God like? I'm gonna join this thing called Christianity or I'm already a part of Christianity. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and you could probably guess it. Joy. And joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And here's something. Joy isn't just like the icing on the cake of the Christian life. Sometimes we think about it like it's the cherry on top and if I have it, it's better. Everybody loves that cherry. But I'm that friend that will steal the cherry when you're not looking, right? You ever have that friend? <laughs> <clears throat> but joy isn't just the icing on the cake of the Christian life. Joy is a key ingredient of the Christian life. Joy is not a cherry on top that we can do without. Like to be a Christian is actually to have joy. And you ask why? Like why do you say that? And this is where we come to Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. And I love this verse. Here's what it says. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Pretty simple verse right? And here's what's crazy. Not only is joy a key part of our life as Christians, 
But joy is actually commanded upon every believer in our life. And this is a radical thought. That you are actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are commanded to have joy. This isn't you should have joy. This isn't if life is going great, think about joy. This is saying rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I tell you rejoice. And when I study this out, people say there is no other command in the whole Bible that's written in this way that says do this always. And I'm telling you again, do it. Like, Paul has to make it so unbelievably clear. Rejoice in the Lord. And for if you love grammar, rejoice is just the verb of joy, which is a noun. So rejoicing is just being joy, right? Like, it's having this joy coming out of you. And Paul's saying, you rejoice. You celebrate in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, okay, sometimes. No, always. Okay, always when I school. good. No, I'll tell you again. Rejoice. Like, all the time, every day, every second, every moment of every day. I'm talking fast. You rejoice in the Lord. And this is what I call the paradox of commanded joy. Now, you just woke up this morning thinking, I just, I just hope someone will solve the paradox of commanded joy in my life. Didn't you? Tell me the truth. And that's what you woke up thinking this morning. And maybe you are not asking this question this morning, but I'm going to answer it, and it will change your life if you let me. If you're driving down the freeway and a semi-truck comes in your direction... You don't go, wow, this is extremely dangerous. I should be afraid. Johnny, be afraid. Ah! If you do that, you are extremely rational. You don't. What happens? A semi-truck starts swerving your lane and you freak. You go crazy. Or if you're driving and that same semi-truck cuts you off in tra traffic, you don't go, that was an extremely inconsiderate decision, sir. I will be angry with you. No! I've ridden with you. I know you do bad things. I've seen you. Some of you do not put a joy church. I thought about, like, we should make joy church bumper stickers, and I've ridden with some of you. I've seen what you do, and we will never make a joy church bumper sticker because no one will ever come to this church if they see how you drive. <sighs> Is that too honest? Okay, emotions just happen. There are things that we experience, right? Like, wow, that's scary. I freak out. Like, we don't, we don't say you should be afraid or you should be angry. They just happen upon us. And it's the same exact thing with emotions that we know that we should have or emotions that we know that we ought to have. Like, man, I know I should feel compassion for that person. I know I should feel love, but I don't have it. So what do you do? Like, do you just go, be loving. Be compassionate. Like, we don't make these things happen. They're just a natural response to our circumstances and our situations. But here's the crazy thing in the Christian life. God commands your emotions. God says, you will rejoice. You will have joy. So when I woke up this morning, God says, Johnny, rejoice in me always. Again, I tell you, rejoice. And here's why I call it a paradox. Because we know that rejoicing in the Lord, loving Jesus, serving him, like we know it should be a delight, right? Like, I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to rejoice in you. But what about when that delight is actually a commandment? And God commands you to delight in him, and now delighting in him becomes a duty that you have to fulfill. I hope you're following along. And this is why I call it a paradox, because many of us as Christians, we say, I want joy, but I don't have it. Like, if I could have this overflowing supernatural Jesus joy in my life, I would have it, Johnny, but I don't know how. 
Like, I don't know what to do to get this joy. And I come here and I say, you have to have joy. It's a commandment. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to obey this. And I think many of us were in this situation. We go, like, I want it, but how do I get it? And here's the beauty that's so different about Christian joy that Paul describes in Philippians and just normal joy is that it's a real feeling, it's a real emotion that bubbles up in our soul by the power of the Holy Spirit. But how does this happen? I'm so happy you asked. It happens as we treasure Jesus above all else. And when Jesus Christ is our greatest treasure, when we treasure him, the Holy Spirit produces this wild and crazy joy inside of us that bubbles out of us. Now what does that look like? This is what we've seen all throughout Philippians. Think about Paul, he's writing this book. He's in a jail cell. He doesn't know if they're going to murder him. He thinks my life could be coming to an end. And then he has these opponents that are trying to hurt him. And what does he say in Philippians 1.18? He goes, what then? There's all these bad things happening. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Paul says, my joy is not tied to my circumstances. My joy is not tied to just what's going on around me. My joy is tied in Jesus and because my joy is tied in Jesus, yeah, I might be in chains. I might be beaten. I might be in prison. Like, I don't even know when my last day is going to be. But do you know what I'm doing? I'm rejoicing. I'm having joy because Jesus is my joy. And he's my greatest treasure. And this is the indestructible joy that God offers you today. That when you treasure Jesus above all else, when you say, Jesus, you are my treasure, like you're the most valuable thing in my world, when that's the case, nothing can take your joy away. And it's indestructible. You think about Paul in Philippians 1.21, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Twelve words. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says, if I'm alive, do you know what my joy is? My joy isn't comforts. My joy isn't just financial success or good status. My joy is Jesus. Like real, a real emotion that rises up in my soul. I delight in him and I rejoice in him. He is my joy. But do you want to know the crazy thing? He says, but it's far better that I'd actually die. That's a weird thought. Because, because Jesus is my treasure. If I die, I get to be with him, which is far better for me. Paul's joy was rooted and grounded in Jesus. Maybe this morning, maybe you go, well, that's not the answer I wanted. Like, I wanted an easy how-to for joy. I wanted an easy fix. I wanted something simple that could just do this in the morning and I'll have joy. That's why there's five billion Google things for, good, for joy. But the gospel does not offer us an easy fix the gospel doesn't offer a cheap solution to our joy. It offers us a person, Jesus Christ. And he's the only one who can really satisfy our souls. And I want to read you a quote that I love from St. Augustine. He said this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I have the greatest news in the world for some of you and the worst news in the world for others. You were made to rejoice in God. You were made to find your joy in him. And if you will treasure Jesus Christ above all else, if he will be the greatest treasure of your life, 
then no matter what happens, you are guaranteed indestructible joy. But if you will not treasure him, you'll spend the rest of your life looking for things to satisfy you on the inside and they never will satisfy. All right, think about what we talked about a few weeks ago. To live equals Christ. To die equals gain. Well, if you fill that in, to live equals have as much fun as I can in this world. To die equals the end of all my fun. To live equals make as much money as I can in this world. Then to die equals the loss of all that money. Like no matter what you plug in there, even good things, death is the greatest enemy of joy and you will be joyless forever. But only Jesus can satisfy. And when you put to live equals Christ and it's real, like I delight in him and he is my joy. It's indestructible because nothing can take that away. And you say, well, what about death itself? No, Paul says death's even better. Now, this is not a call to suicide or anything like that, obviously. But Paul says, while I'm alive, I do everything I can to serve Jesus and to love Jesus and advance his kingdom. But one day when I die, it's actually better for me because I get him. And here's why it's indestructible. Because cancer cannot take Jesus away from you. And when you're sitting in chemo and your body is ridden with pain, and you're aching, and the world says you cannot have joy, you say, I have a joy that's better than my physical body. And I believe Jesus Christ can heal us, but what do you do in between? The only way you can rejoice through cancer is when Jesus Christ is your joy. And you say, if I live, I'm honoring him, but if this is my end, I still have joy. It's indestructible. Like nothing can take that. Like the loss of a loved one that's so dear, like when the world says you have to lose all your joy, there is real pain. There is real sorrow and there is real heartache. I'm not trying to cheapen that. But if you want indestructible joy that the world cannot take away, it cannot be in the things of this life, it can only be in Christ. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, and this thought just is awesome to me. You can't hurt Christians. Remember, they say, okay, Paul, we hate you. Yeah, that's right. You've imprisoned me, you've murdered me, I came back to life, like you've really done everything you can. Like, I, I got the vibe, you don't like me that much, right? <clears throat> so they say, we're going to kill you. You're done. Like, we have this. We have you in our grip. He goes, great. To die is gain. It's far better for me. Like, he can rejoice. This isn't fake rejoicing. This is real. Like, I get to meet Jesus. They go, didn't work. Go, okay, boys, what are we going to do? Paul, we're going to let you live. Really? To live is Christ. You're going to let me live? Like, you're going to let me advance this kingdom here on earth? You're going to let me share Jesus? And I'm even winning your guards to Jesus. This is awesome. Like, if, if I get to live, that's Christ to me. They go, it didn't work. They go, well, then we're going to make your life on earth a living hell. We're going to beat you and torture you. He goes, I rejoice even in my sufferings. It's my honor. It's my joy to be counted worthy to suffer with Jesus. Like, what could you do to this man to hurt him? Like, I thought through a million things. Like, how could you hurt Paul? And you couldn't. And I think this is maddening to the world, right? We talked about it's like that little blow-up clown punching bag. And the world says, we're going to get you. Boom. And you go, Jesus is my joy. And what about sickness? Man, I can rejoice in Christ. Well, what about pain? I can rejoice in Christ. And the harder that pain or those things doesn't mean you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not difficult, but you have an anchor named Jesus. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. God offers you indestructible joy. That, Like Romans 8 talks about all the power of hell cannot take that away. 
He offers you joy in Christ that is indestructible. But what about tomorrow morning when you wake up? And you go, wow, that was a great sermon. Ooh, maybe he said it was a horrible sermon. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, that was like encouraging, and that guy was really excited about what he was saying. But what about tomorrow when you wake up with a heavy heart? And you know, that was really great what that guy talked about in church, but I just don't feel joy. What about when bad news strikes this week and you don't know what to do and your world feels like it's caving in? You know, I want to give you a few really practical, how do we do this? Like, if treasuring Jesus above all else is the key, the secret, the indestructible joy, what does this look like on Monday morning, right? What does this look like in our real, everyday life? And I want to give you a couple of things. Number one, advice for those struggling with joy. It seems so simple and it might seem so trite, but it just starts with beholding Jesus in his word. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you came in with a heavy heart, if you came in and you're walking through difficulty, you're walking through pain, you're walking through sorrow or grief, I do not know the circumstances that many of you walked in this morning. What you have to do is you have to grab your Bible and you behold Jesus in his word because he is faithful and he will not let you down. And you read it, and as you read it, he will speak to you, and he will strengthen you, and he will change you, and he will transform you. And sometimes it's just, just you got to cling to it. Joy doesn't always come immediately. You know, it's not, there's no, like, secret solution, like, okay, put in two quarters and joy pops out. Sometimes it's weeks and months and years of clinging to God in his word. And you behold his promises. When you feel abandoned, you behold that promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. When you're walking through pain, when you're walking through trials, you remind yourself that Jesus Christ himself walks through pain. He walks through trials. He can sympathize with you. And as you behold him, he will strengthen you. He will give you strength in your soul. You know, I remember, it's a season a while ago. This was maybe a few years ago, actually. And for me personally, it's a very hard season to walk through. And it just every day was a battle and a struggle for joy. And I remember I could tell you exactly where I was, the spot on the carpet, and I was just reading the Bible and praying and seeking God. I remember I came across this quote that rescued my life, saved my life back then. And it's a quote I cling on to. It says, feelings come and feelings go. And feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet token, there is one greater than my heart. His word shall not be broken. I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. For though all things shall pass away, his word shall stand forever. You know, when you're walking through that valley of the shadow of death, you remind myself, he's with me. How do you know that? You know that in his word, it's a steadfast anchor to our soul. And every day you wake up tomorrow and you don't feel joy, you get your Bible out and you just say, Jesus, speak to me. I have to hear your voice. I have to see you again. Because as you read the word, as you behold Jesus, he will become so precious to you. Maybe today you say, Jesus is not my treasure. I don't have any joy in him, any affection in him. As you read the word, he will become beautiful to you. And the Holy Spirit will start to change you from the inside out and cause joy to bubble out from you. Behold him in prayer. Behold him in community together. As you daily cling to his word. The second thing, some of you to fight for joy. We have to learn how to encourage ourselves and strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And if I could give you one key to fighting for joy daily, 
It's learning to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You notice it doesn't say rejoice in circumstances. Rejoice in situations. Rejoice when things are going good. It says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I tell you, rejoice. I think about David in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it's a story when he's at Ziklag. Maybe you're familiar with it. And the men have gone to battle. And while they're gone, an enemy army comes and takes away all the women, all the children, and burns the city down. And David comes back, and he doesn't know if his wives and children have been murdered, if they've been raped, but they're gone. And everything he owned, their city's burned to the ground. Pretty bad day, right? Most people don't go like, man, I want to put this on Facebook. Look, my family's been taken and my city's been burned. And it says, David is deeply distressed in soul because his people talked about murdering him, stoning him to death. So what did David do? He didn't throw a pity party. He didn't freak out. It says, David went and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Right? If I could encourage you, sometimes you got to get away. Maybe you don't feel joy. Maybe what you feel, what your emotions tell you is sadness, is sorrow, is anxiety, is depression. You have to get away and you encourage yourself. You strengthen yourself in the Lord. And I want to tell you something. Something supernatural happens when you do this. When you go, God, I will not be afraid. God, I will not be discouraged. God, I will not be depressed. God, you are my strength. What are you doing? You're reminding yourself of what you already know is true. Jesus, you are my treasure. And God, I'm walking through pain, but they can't take away you. And because you're my joy, they can't take away my joy. What does fighting for joy look like practically? Strengthening yourself in the Lord. It's not strengthening yourself in what you're going through, but you fight for joy. And David did this. I love the Psalms. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. David speaks to his soul. He goes, soul, why are you so downcast? You ever been there? Soul, why are you so sad? Soul, why are you so depressed? But he doesn't stay there. He goes, put your hope in God. And I love this. He fights not just defensively, he fights offensively. He goes, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. God, I remember your goodness. God, I remember your faithfulness. God, I remember your kindness towards me. I remember your mercy towards me. And you can't remember God's faithfulness and his goodness too long with a heavy heart. And some of you, maybe today, maybe you're walking through difficulty. Maybe you're walking through pain. So you gotta go to Jesus and say, God, I'm not going to be discouraged. God, I'm not gonna be depressed. God, I'm not gonna give up hope because you are my joy. And I can tell you something. James chapter one says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. There is real pain and real sorrow and real heartache that you will walk through, but there is real joy available to you. Because as you walk through the pain, as you walk through the difficulty, you hold on to Jesus. And you realize this pain can't take away my Jesus. And if they can't take away my Jesus, they can't take away my joy. And sometimes God is doing things you do not understand through pain. In Romans 8, it talks about he's working all things together for our good and his glory. Paul talks about, I even rejoice in my sufferings because it's making me look more like Jesus. He's changing me. He's transforming me. I might not understand the circumstance. I might not understand the situation, but even through it, I can rejoice. This is what Paul talked about when he said, we are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Well, how? 
How can you have sorrow and joy at the same time? It's when you realize these things around me are just temporary. And whether God solves this problem here on earth or only in heaven, it's just temporary. They can't take my joy away. And that encourages me because I realize I have no reason not to rejoice. I can strengthen myself in the Lord my God. Matthew chapter 6, extremely practical, he talks about go alone into your bedroom, lock the door, and your father in secret who sees in secret will reward you. You know that passage? And I think this applies here. Sometimes you've got to get alone and you strengthen yourself and you encourage yourself and you remind yourself of what's true. And I can promise you, brothers and sisters, if you will do this, like God will bring joy. It might take weeks. It might take months. I don't know what you're walking through. But he will give you joy. We're going to post on the Facebook page this week. One of the points is kill the enemies of joy. There's a lot of really good other scriptures in Philippians chapter 4 that we can't cover today. So that's going to be posted later. And the third thing, you strengthen yourself. You encourage yourself in the Lord. And then, you know what you do? You rejoice. doesn't make sense to our natural mind but just like Paul where did the Philippians learn this joy that they had it's Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 if you remember that story Paul and Silas were just sharing the gospel telling people about Jesus and as they did it they were taken they were beaten they were stripped naked they were put in chains they had every reason to complain right this is a different jail cell Paul spent quite a bit of time in jail but for loving Jesus not for bad stuff and in a jail cell, like when the whole world says, Paul, you have no reason to rejoice, right? What happens at midnight? They just hear Paul and Silas singing. They're worshiping. They're praising. And God shows up with supernatural power as they praise. And yet again, here Paul finds himself in another jail cell. And it wouldn't be the last one of his life. He says, guys, rejoice. Like I know you're walking through pain. I know you're walking through suffering. But you just got to rejoice in the Lord. Because they can't take away your joy. And I know for me, sometimes you got to come in the worship. You go, I'm going to praise. I'm going to rejoice. Well, Johnny, aren't you walking through difficult stuff? Yeah. But all that stuff is small. All that stuff is so temporary. Well, I thought it was big. Well, to the world's eyes, it's big. But my joy is not in any of these things. My joy is in Jesus. And they can't take that away. Isaiah 61 is a beautiful promise from God that Jesus fulfilled. He says, I'm going to take your mourning and turning it into dancing. I'm going to take your ashes and I'm going to give you beauty. I'm going to bring joy. I'm going to take the brokenhearted. I'm going to bind up their wounds. Like I'm going to bring good news to the poor. And then he says, I'm going to take your spirit of heaviness, your spirit of this weighty, depressed spirit, your sorrow, and I'm going to clothe you in a garment of praise. And there's an invitation this morning for some of you, if you've walked with a heavy heart, if you've walked with a broken heart, there's an invitation to leave your sorrow, to leave your brokenness, to leave your heaviness at the cross. And Jesus says, here's a garment of praise. Here's a garment of joy. And your coworkers are going to see you and they go, hey, I thought that this was going on in your life. I thought you are walking through this thing or that thing. How are you so joyful? How are you so happy? You're gonna say, you know what? My joy's not in these circumstances. Could I tell you where my real joy is? It's in Jesus. 
And I just can't tell you how many times I've had the opportunity to share Christ with people just because of joy. People go, why are you so happy? They go, do you really want to know? Because if you do, I'll tell you. But it might not be the answer you're looking for. Five billion people have Googled it. <laughs> tell me, why are you so happy? I go, it's Jesus Christ. He offers you joy this morning. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. I would encourage you, whatever you're walking through, whatever you carried in this room this morning, what would happen if you said, Jesus is my joy, and because I treasure him above all else, I can rejoice through sorrow, through grief, through despair, through depression, through anxiety. I can rejoice because my joy is in Jesus. If you close your eyes this morning, I want to pray for two groups of people. If you came in this morning and you hear a sermon like this and you go, wow, that's really great. Joy, happiness. I want to tell you something really amazing. Jesus doesn't just want you happy for a lifetime. But he came to give you joy for eternity. You know, every single one of us will face death at some point in our lives. And we will either go to an eternal heaven with God forever, everlasting joy. Or for those who do not know Christ, we'll be separated from God forever in hell, joyless. And Jesus does not just want to give you joy for a lifetime. He wants to give you joy for eternity. That in a hundred billion years, you will be rejoicing. And this morning, whatever your life looks like, whatever you came in with, if today was your last, and if you died today, do you have confidence that you could go before Jesus and know I'm going to enter into heaven into eternal joy? Because Jesus Christ bore your sickness. He bore your sorrow. He bore your grief. Like if you came with a broken heart, Jesus Christ bore that. And he died on the cross so you could live. And he says, I died so that you could live, but not just live, but have life abundantly. Abundantly. And not just abundant life, but I came to give you eternal life. Like it doesn't get better than that. I'm going to give you abundant, joy-filled life here on earth. I'm going to give you eternal life forever. But the really great news is he didn't just die. He rose again and he's alive. And he's here this morning. And he offers you joy eternal. He offers you life. He wants to change you from the inside out. And if you're here and if you do not know Christ, if you've never given your life to him or if you've walked away from him, he calls you this morning to come into eternal life. And if that's you and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need him to wash away my sins. I need him to give me new life. Would you just lift your hand this morning? We're going to pray for you. Every week, all across the church, people come to new life in Jesus. If that's you, awesome. I see that hand. It's awesome. Anybody else? You're not alone. If you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need him to change me. Awesome. See that hand as well. Anybody else? Don't miss this opportunity. Jesus is here. He offers you eternal life and joy in him. He died so you could live. Awesome. I see that hand. Praise God. Amazing. Church, can we pray together with those who are giving their lives to Christ? Say, dear Lord, thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you paid the price for all my wrongs. I repent for all of my sins. I ask that you would wash me clean.
and change me in your precious blood. You're my Lord and you're my God. Save me now. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said. Can we rejoice with those who just gave their life to Christ? Awesome. Nothing better than that, right? The Bible tells us there's a party in heaven every time one sinner comes home. Now for the rest of you. I told you at the beginning I had one agenda for you. That this morning Jesus would fill you up with his joy and that would just overflow out of you. And if you came this morning, you said, Johnny, I could use a fresh filling of that joy. I just need that joy. I want to pray for you. Because I believe that every one of us, sometimes we have to come like that verse in Romans and say, God, would you fill me afresh with your hope? God, would you fill me afresh with your joy? God, I'm walking through pain. God, I'm walking through difficulty, and I want to rejoice. If that's you, could you just lift your hand? I want to pray. My hands are up. Awesome. I want to pray for you. And then here's what I'm going to tell you. When this prayer is done, when you leave this place, you just go rejoice. You might not feel it. We walk by faith and not by sight. But I want to tell you, we rejoice in the Lord. Like no matter what we walk through, we rejoice in Jesus. And that's indestructible. And my prayer for us this morning is that for all of us who've gathered in both the services, that when we leave, we would be indestructible, joyful Christians. That joy wouldn't just be a name of our church, but we would be overflowing with joy. We would rejoice in the Lord. Always and again we'd rejoice. So Lord, I thank you for every single person here. God, I pray that God, that they have a broken heart, that they came in with a heavy heart. God, they came in with depression, anxiety, with sorrow. Or God, if they're just walking through a difficult circumstance. Father, I pray right now to God that their heart would find hope again and their heart would find joy again. To God, you would pour out your joy in every heart. And that God, we could obey that command and say we would be people who rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord. Because Jesus, you are our joy. And because our joy is anchored in you, it's indestructible. So God, I pray for every person here today that they would learn to rejoice in you, all of us, God, moment by moment, hour by hour, day after day, year after year, season by season, we would rejoice in the Lord. And as we do that, Holy Spirit, you would produce that indestructible joy inside of us. In the name of Jesus, everybody said,